The Lisbon coastline is famous for its waves. The beaches that stretch along the westernmost peninsula of continental Europe face the full force of the Atlantic Ocean. In winter, vast swells batter the rocky outcrops that curl like a jagged spine around the coast, lashing the gullies and roaring up the sandy beaches. Even in summer, glassy crests crash against the rocks and send spray arcing into the air, refracted by sunlight into a thousand splinters of quartz. But in the summer of 1940, another kind of tide descended on the city, a flood of human beings. Refugees were nothing new to Lisbon. Over the centuries, successive waves of Phoenicians, Romans, Visigoths, Moors and Crusaders had arrived at the farthest edge of the known world, establishing vineyards in the fertile landscape and fishing from the natural harbour. According to legend, Odysseus founded the city after he left Troy, and later a young Christopher Columbus studied there, developing an interest in ocean exploration. But in the first summer of the war, it seemed that half the refugees of Europe had fetched up in neutral Lisbon, heading for the freedom of Britain, Africa and America. A million people, Jews, kings and princesses, prisoners on the run, black marketeers, bankers, writers and artists, all desperate to escape as German forces advanced across Europe and the Nazi noose tightened. A jangle of clashing languages filled the streets as travellers waited for exit permits and transit visas to make their tortuous way through lengthy bureaucratic channels. The rich stayed in converted palaces, the poor haunted the shabby cafes, and those who couldn't afford even a roof over their heads slept rough in the docks and alleys of the ancient city, kept alive by soup kitchens. And in the midst of this anxious, shifting population were spies of all kinds. Agents from the Gestapo and MI6, double agents and informers thronging the bars of cheap hotels, supplementing exile with espionage. Alongside the official spies were a legion of unofficial ones, waiters, bartenders, shopkeepers and gardeners, watching, waiting and informing. For everyone in that crowded, turbulent city, Lisbon was the very end of the world. Just west of Lisbon, at the plush beach resort of Estoril, at a few minutes after midnight, a young woman was also waiting. Estoril was the destination of choice for the wealthier and more aristocratic of the refugees, with its sapphire waters and well-raked beach festooned with bathing cabins and palm umbrellas. At one end, like an abandoned sandcastle, stood the turreted, mock-gothic folly of a tower. The town was more than just the Portuguese Riviera. It was the Riviera, Biarritz and Monte Carlo rolled into one, a place jokingly known as the Royal Morgue of Europe for the number of crowned heads and titled people who flocked there. And the biggest attraction was the Hotel Palacio, a handsome building in white limestone set on one side of a square that enclosed a manicured park studded with fountains and palm trees. Although the hotel's corridors were hung with photographs of royal and celebrity guests, the grand mirrored salons, gold filigree walls and fretted woodwork had very little to do with the hotel's popularity. That was entirely down to the casino, one of the best in Europe, where the tips were lavish and the rich flocked every night of the week, desperate to while away their time with roulette, backgammon and chemin de fer. The night was rich and dark, dense as a wedding cake, 
and the sky powdered with stars. The young woman stood to one side of the casino's pillared door, trying to remain inconspicuous as knots of people drifted through the glass doors and across the thick red carpet to the gaming room. Inside, chandeliers hung on gold-painted ropes, bored croupiers raked the tables, and a layer of cigar smoke was intercut by musky drifts of Chanel, Lanvin, and Worth. The atmosphere was the same as in any casino the world over, joyless, thick with alcohol and moneyed voices. Occasionally, the woman would venture out of the shadow and peer past the porters and bellboys, trying to catch a glimpse inside. But each time she hesitated and withdrew again, drawing her silk jacket closer around her. A black strapless evening gown, decorated with silver faux Chinese mosaics.